Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. We talk about Donald Trump's indictment and what happens next. I speak with Defense Minister Anita Anand about her visit to Hamilton. Find out why the Ontario NDP is steaming mad at the PC party. A professor has created a cheat code to win in Roll Up the Rim. Canada's $20 bill could soon feature an Indigenous woman, and the Bulldogs are licking their wounds. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Donald Trump, the only U.S. president to be impeached twice, and now the first former president to be indicted on criminal charges. What does it mean and where do we go from here? Reggie Cicchini is Global News Washington correspondent and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Reggie, good morning. Good morning. Give us the latest on what is happening. Well, look, the latest is uh, the indictment still stands. What we don't know, though, Rick, is what the charges uh, that are linked inside that indictment. We understand that there are dozens of them. But this came down last night, this grand jury meeting behind a closed door for months and months and months. Uh, We they were about to go on vacation uh, for a break in April. This was unexpected. We are uh, to understand that it was a bit of a shock to both the former president and the former president's team. And the conversations now are. How do Donald Trump's team get him to New York and what is this process going to play like, not only with Trump in court, Rick, but also for the process going forward? Because this is the first time in American history that it's judicial and electoral and and kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, political landscape are all mixing together. This has never happened before. There are more than 30 counts related to business fraud. Was that number expected? Well, no, quite frankly. Uh, and that's because we don't really have an idea as to what this grand jury was voting on. We know that these are linked to those payments made uh, to keep alleged affairs quiet between Kara McDougal and Stormy Daniels, stemming from long before the 2016 election, but also having ties into falsified business records, which are misdemeanors in New York. But legal experts have said that can rise to a felony if the business records were being falsified to potentially cover up another crime. And could that be campaign finance violations? That is possible. There's also a real possibility here, Rick, uh, that uh, that Alan Weisselberg, the former CEO of the Trump organization, has flipped. He is in jail. He is in Rikers right now, uh, serving time for uh, kind of poor business practices within the Trump organization. There's a real chance that if he did cooperate with prosecutors, it could have blown the windows and doors open. And there are far more that's being looked at into Trump, into Trump's family and Trump's um, uh, business that resulted in all of these cases, uh, charges, we won't know until the indictment is unsealed. That doesn't happen until the former president is arraigned. Got one more minute with Reggie Tacchini, Global News Washington correspondent. We're talking about the indictment of former President Donald Trump here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Do you have a sense of when we will find out what the charges are and when does Mr. Trump show up in court? Well, he's expected to be arraigned sometime next week. We understand the prosecutors initially wanted to get him in New York today, but because of the logistics and the fact that he's a former uh, president, Secret Service is involved in this. It's likely going to happen next Tuesday at the earliest. That's also when we'll find out what all of these charges are in the broad plan right now. Donald Trump is continuing to move forward. He is not dropping out of the campaign. He is already fundraising off of this. So too are other Republicans. This is now going to be incredibly uncharted territory and waters that the U.S. is going to be navigating for the next several months, if not the next several years. Absolutely. Reggie, thanks for joining us to break this all down. 
Thank you. Reggie Tacchini, Washington correspondent, Global News. Uh, Trump has called the indictment, quote, a political persecution and election interference at the highest level in history. We'll continue to follow this story here on GMH. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Tuesday's federal budget as we know, primarily concentrated on health care and cost of living measures. But what about defense spending? I mean, there's a war in Ukraine going on. What are we doing to improve our defensive capabilities with spy balloons floating over our Arctic regions and across the country and the continent? And did U.S. President Joe Biden's speech in the House of Commons a week ago today convince our country to spend more on our military. Anita Anand is Canada's defense minister and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Minister Anand, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Great to be with you this morning. You are in Hamilton today. You're going to spend some time at the Major John Weirfoot Armory, uh, the home of the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders. What's your message to the troops there? I am so excited to be in Hamilton today with my colleague, Minister Tassi and MPs, Chad Collins and Lisa Hepner. We're going to be discussing Budget 2023, visiting the Armory, as you mentioned, as well as a daycare in the Ukrainian community. So we're going to be busy today. Obviously, lots to talk about regarding affordability measures and dental care in the recent federal budget. You're going to participate in a roundtable with local Ukrainian Canadians here in Hamilton. What do you expect to hear from them? I'm really uh, focused on making sure they are cognizant of Canada's commitment to Ukraine in the short and the long term. We've put on the table over $1 billion of military aid thus far. Uh, We are also committing uh, in Budget 2023 an additional loan of $2.4 billion, which will be provided via the IMF Administrative Account for Ukraine. Uh, So there is a lot going on in terms of our continued commitment to Ukraine. And uh, we're also transporting aid on behalf of our allies to Ukraine. We've transported over 7 million pounds of military aid and equipment from our hub in Prospect, Scotland. Uh, So, Rick, there is. Uh, continued commitment to Ukraine. Defense Minister Anita Anand is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. In light of Chinese election interference, Tuesday's budget did include some new money to create a national counter-foreign intelligence office. Is this going to solve the problem or maybe lessen the likelihood of foreign meddling? Well, let's be clear that the government appointed David Johnston as an independent special rapporteur. That's an important next step in the measures we are taking to combat foreign interference. Mr. Johnston has a wide mandate to look into foreign interference. We're going to abide by his recommendations. And our government is also launching consultations to guide the creation of a foreign influence transparency registry in Canada. And so there is a continued focus to make sure that our country is safe and secure. Our elections can continue without foreign interference in our affairs. And indeed, that is a priority for our government, for sure. Speaking of priorities and, you know, Chinese spy balloons on your list of priority items, where does improving NORAD's capabilities rank? So glad you asked that, Rick. Last year, I announced almost $40 billion over 20 years to modernize NORAD and to enhance 
continental defense. That is going to include a number of initiatives, including over-the-horizon radar systems, including investing in our military bases, uh, $7.3 billion towards upgrading military bases, including a Bagot Bill and Cold Lake. Those are the bases where the F-35s, 88 of them, will be housed when they come off the line and we sign a contract for those 88 uh, fighter jets at the beginning of this year. So we are moving ahead on a number of fronts to enhance our continental security. But I'd like to thank Nora for having the watch. I'd like to thank our Canadian Armed Forces for putting their lives on the line every day uh, in service of our country. One more minute with Defence Minister Anita Anand here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. As we know, uh, Russia and China have become increasingly more aggressive or reckless in some cases. Does that keep you up at night? What keeps me up at night is the need to do whatever I can to ensure that our country continues to be as safe as possible, to make sure that our Arctic sovereignty is secure. And that is why we have to focus not only on the European theater, but as well the Indo-Pacific. We announced our Indo-Pacific strategy just before the holidays last year. We have recently deployed HMCS Montreal. That was just last week to travel to the Indo-Pacific region where we're adding a third frigate. We have to be eyes wide open on China. We have to be cognizant of the changing global strategic threat environment. And that's why we're working, of course, with NATO and on NATO's eastern flank where we lead the Enhanced Presence Battle Group. It is about multiple issues and we have them under our watch at all times. Minister Anand, I thank you for your time today. Enjoy your day in Hamilton. I'm very much looking forward to it. And thank you so much, Rick. Take good care. You too. That is Defense Minister Anita Anand. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The Ontario PC Party has the New Democrats hot under the collar. Because they've launched a website to highlight what they are calling, or what it is calling, the NDP's extreme views. And it was launched after the recent by-election victory by new Hamilton NDP MPP Sarah Jemma, who has in the past supported defunding the police and has been accused of making anti-Semitic remarks. So as you can imagine, the Ontario NDP screaming mad. Well, joining us now is the leader of the Ontario NDP, Marit Stiles, here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Ms. Stiles, good morning. How are you today? I'm good morning. I'm great. Uh, political parties have a job of holding each other to account. This, however, in my mind, and I'm sure you probably agree, seems to cross the line. You know, I think a couple things. One is I think uh, the conservatives uh, will stoop to nothing is too low. But also, it's a really silly website. And, you know, this week we were raising some very important issues in the legislature. People you know, dying in subway stations and needing, uh, we need more community support and mental health and addiction support. We're talking about health care and education and all kinds of things. And the conservatives were building a pretty silly website. <laughs> so I try not to take these things too seriously, actually, um, because, you know, for me, it's all about uh, focusing and staying very focused on the things that matter to Ontarians. 
In saying that, do you feel compelled to allay any fears that people have towards Sarah Gemma? Are you, are you worried that this could become a distraction? You know, I think, look, I think the people at Hamilton Center showed pretty decisively uh, in the election that they, they're very much behind her. That was a, a hell of a very decisive win. And I think that's because people know who she is, that she is passionate, that she is a, she's going to stand up for people who are really marginalized, that she's somebody who has always been there for the community and she will continue to be. And it's a very different kind of role. You know, being a member of provincial parliament um, is a, is a big deal and she's ready for it. She took her seat on Monday morning uh, in the legislature. She was sworn in and uh, she did a great job this week. And so I think people in Hamilton center will continue to see that she's the person who, who represents them, who serves them well, and she's going to serve everyone in the community. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Ontario NDP leader Marit Stiles. Let's talk about the Ontario budget. It was announced uh, last week. What do you like? What do you not like? Well, I think this budget was really not a budget for the moment. You know, I, what I'm hearing when I go out and talk to people in, across the province, and I'm in St. Catharines today, actually, um, is is that people are really struggling, right? We know this. Uh, our neighbors are in a worse situation than ever before. People are really struggling with the cost of living. And this this budget did nothing to address that. I was really surprised, actually, that there was nothing in there that's going to really, you know, help people out in their day-to-day lives. So I was hoping we'd see things like bringing back you know, rent control, things to start stop the skyrocketing rent, because so many people are struggling with that right now. Um, you know, raising the minimum wage, maybe. Uh, maybe stop suppressing the wages, like nurses and other public sector workers so we can actually you know make sure people aren't having to juggle multiple jobs to put food on the table and i think those are the kinds of things we were really hoping for and we didn't see any of that in the gut in this budget and i think that's an indication that that you know as i keep saying i think doug ford and the conservatives are very out of touch if they think that uh, they're actually uh, making life better for Ontarians today. In CHML News this morning, we have a story about Ontario's minimum wage rising to sixteen fifty-five an hour on October 1st. The mm-hmm. Ontario Living Wage Network is a very different number. It says the living wage here in Hamilton is north of $20. Would an NDP government do away with the minimum wage and go with the living wage? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, for, you know, first of all, I think that we should have had, yeah, we, we need to raise the minimum wage to a a wage that people can live on. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the cost of living at inflation has just gone through the roof. And so anybody, I mean, anybody going to the grocery store right now, I think unless you're extremely wealthy, you notice those changes right away when you get to the till. And there's people, you know, I put things back. I'm sure, I mean, I know lots of people are putting things back. People are going to food banks who have full-time jobs. Something is wrong with that. So something is out of sync and out of balance. And it's the government's job to make things, make sure things are get the right balance. So when, when times are tough, it's up to the government to make sure that that's made right. And, you know, I think, you know, you work together uh, with the business community, with small businesses, but you, and you help people out. You help everyone out. This is a rough time. Life is not better today than it was five years ago for people. And, and the government, this government, the conservatives under Doug Ford have a chance to do something right. And they really haven't done that. Their, their policies tend to be, you know, things that just benefit pretty wealthy people. If they're, if they're, you know, I think I, I actually believe Doug Ford, you know, he talks to people like him, you know, his friends, his donors. He's not out there talking to regular people because if he was, he'd know this isn't working.
We'll have to leave it there, Ms. Dallas. Thank you for your time today. Enjoy St. Catharines today and uh, have a nice weekend. Thank you. Merritt Stiles is the leader of the Ontario NDP. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Have you been playing Tim Horton's Roll Up the Rim to Win? I'm sure some of you have. Some of you have won. Many others have not. Well, apparently there is a new way to, uh, you know, improve your odds of winning in this contest, thanks to a professor from the University of Waterloo who joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. His name is Michael Wallace, Associate Professor of Biostatistics in the Department of Statistics and Actuarial Science at the University of Waterloo. Professor Wallace, good morning. How are you? Oh, not too bad, Rick. How are you doing? I'm good. So you have created sort of a cheat code to win in this contest. How did you do this? Yeah, well, I, I'd be hesitant to call it a cheat code. I want to, I want to stress everything. Everything's fully above board. Okay, um, <laughs> but it's uh, it, it's use, it's using data that everyone has access to just to to find the the best times to play. So, um, yeah. So the way the game uh, works now, you know, years ago we were all used to to the the physical cups. You know, you'd buy your drink, then hand it to you. You you drink your drink, and then you'd, you'd roll up the cup and see if you'd won. And now that all changed uh, a few years ago uh, when COVID happened. They moved the game fully onto the digital app. Um, and when that happened, uh, games moving from physical objects to digital spaces, um, that can often create, you know, complications in how the game works. And one of the big changes this caused uh, was the way you actually won prizes meant that, in a sense, you were competing uh, with other players. So rather than buying a drink and rolling up the rim on a cup, you would buy a drink, you'd get what they call a digital roll in your app, in your Tim Hortons app. Um, and then you could choose when to play that digital role yourself. Um, and the time you chose to play uh, proved to be critical in affecting your chances of winning. So let's talk about the timing of this. When was the best time that you found that you won more often than not? And were at what point of the day was the worst time to play? Yeah, so okay, okay. So we have to keep this between us, first of all, because uh, if, uh, if everyone follows this advice, the, the strategy might change a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, basically, you're trying to play when other people aren't. Um, and in previous years, I was, uh, I was guessing. I was like, maybe it's like 4, 4.30 a.m. Um, and then this year, uh, Tim's gave us some more information. And I was able to use that, use some statistics, um, and actually show throughout the day how uh, player behavior was changing. Uh, and so what we found was like the worst time to play, um, you know, that's during those morning afternoon rushes. So you don't want to be playing uh, around 11.46 a.m. That was the worst time. Uh, but then the very best time to play I found was uh, 3.16 a.m. So actually a little bit earlier than I'd, I'd guessed myself before I was able to take this data-driven approach. You were you were pretty close, that is for sure. So did you play uh, every hour of the day to test out your theory? Uh, well, I was gathering data uh, every hour of the day, so the the information I needed uh, was published to the website. So it's all it's all fully fully available. Um, and what teams were showing us were the number of prizes that had actually been awarded uh, in the contest. So right now, you can go to their website, um, and it'll show you that so far in the contest, they've given out almost 15 million prizes. And that number, critically to me, was it's kind of updating in real time. So you can sit on that page and refresh it. And you can see the number of prizes going up. And that means you can see when more people are winning prizes, which means more people are playing. And you can see when that number kind of slows down in the middle of the night, so fewer people are playing. So I was actually having to gather those data myself because uh, the, the one thing I made sure I was doing um, was following the rules. And I could have written like a little computer code to do all this automatically for me, but instead 
I wanted to, you know, do this properly. Um, I was gathering those data myself. I was staying up uh, some nights to get it done. But this was where uh, the power of statistics really came into its own because I wasn't able to gather these data like constantly, you know, every minute of the day or even every hour of the day because, believe it or not, statisticians do sleep sometimes. <laughs> um, but what this gave us was a, a statistical problem where I had some data but not all of the data. And you can actually use statistics to kind of fill in those gaps uh, for those times where I wasn't, you know, uh, sat at my computer hitting uh, hitting refresh. So how long did this last? Was this like a week-long thing, a few days, a month? Uh, so the contest has been running now for, for almost a month. Um, I spent two weeks uh, gathering the data. So I, I had a, I had a two-week spell where I was uh, pretty intensively gathering the data. I, 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 I will admit, I was, I was in some different time zones here and there, which, which did help with some of those early hour periods. I managed to rope in a friend uh, who, who I'm very grateful to for, for sort of when I suggested this, not, not thinking I was doing something completely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I spent two weeks gathering the data, uh, and that gave me enough information to then apply my statistical analyses uh, to come up with these answers and then test them out uh, in practice. Michael Wallace is an associate professor of biostatistics at the University of Waterloo, has created a way to help you improve your odds at winning Tim Horton's Roll Up the Rim contest. Now, you did this back, I believe it was in 2020, and um, you, you figured out how to win more often than not. How did this time compare to the first time around when you did it? Yeah, so back in 2020, uh, when they first moved online, um, I actually did really well. So that, that first year, um, I entered 96 times and I won 94 times. So I won about 98% of the time back then. Um, the rules were a little bit different then. Uh, after that year, uh, Tim Hortons tweaked the rules a little bit. Now, I can't say for sure that they tweaked the rules just because I went in and won so many times. Um, but the rule changes they implemented did have to uh, lead to me adjusting my strategy. Um, and so since then, I've been kind of in a little bit of a, a little bit of a battle trying to figure out, okay, what did they change? What do I need to do? How can I adapt my strategy? Um, and my win rate did drop a bit from there. Uh, but this season, I was able, by using uh, statistics, using analysis, um, and finding that best time, I did get my win rate back up to a, an almost 80%. Wow, that is phenomenal. Michael, appreciate the time. Thanks for sharing uh, your insight and uh, statistical analysis on Tim Horton's Roll Up the Rim contest. Uh, we'll talk to you sometime down the road. I hope so. Thank you. Michael Wallace is a professor at the University of Waterloo. You can check out more in the story online on our website at 900chml.com. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A campaign has been launched to redesign Canada's $20 bills to banknotes featuring Indigenous women. The Native Women's Association of Canada launching the Change the Bill campaign in an effort to promote uh, reconciliation through art. And already more than 31,000 people have already signed this uh, onto, this onto this petition supporting this campaign. Lynn Gruel is the CEO of the Native Women's Association of Canada and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Lynn, good morning. How are you? Well, good morning, Hamilton, and thank you very much for having me here this morning to talk about this amazing campaign that has uh, started and it's really caught fire. Absolutely. Why was this important for your association to get on board and launch? Well, it's very important. A lot of people are asking themselves, you know, what does reconciliation really mean? Well, here we have a situation where uh, Indigenous people are the original inhabitants of the land, and yet 
you know, an Indigenous woman or person really has never been represented on a, on a Canadian banknote. So we thought, what if we matched up some of our best artists and some of the women that have made the most contributions to Canadian history and presented this to the Bank of Canada. And there you go. So if anybody's out there and has a chance to take a look at Change the Bill, the artwork is absolutely stunning and the stories are amazing. You are 1,000% right on the artwork being amazing because I was looking at the website the other day and I was blown away, Lynn. I know, I know, and to the point where I have to say the Bank of Canada did call us and say, you know, we need to have prints of these to put in the museum of the Bank of Canada. It's so stunning. So I think we're going to be successful in our endeavor here. Canadians, you know, have been signing up to the petition. Everyone's signing up. So, and they have, you know, they have developed a coin in the U.S. with Indigenous women on it. Australia also has a $5 banknote. So it's time for Canada to do it as well. I think so too. Now, do you have to convince the Royal Canadian Mint to do so, or who who do you have to bend uh, the arm of? Well, <laughs> it's a, a bit of influence for the Bank of Canada and actually the uh, Finance Department. So there's two departments there, I think, that are influential, uh, and and we will put our submission in. And I think the artwork speaks for itself and the contributions of the women. So if I could just give an example, Josephine Mandeman, an Indigenous woman at the age over 50 years old, when she walked around seven. 17,000 kilometers around the Great Lakes to raise awareness on pollution in our waters and rivers. It's your water protector. I mean, isn't that amazing? It's an amazing contribution. Do you have, a, I'm just look, recapping the ones that I've, I've, I've seen. I think there's six, one, six of them that I've seen. Do you have a favorite? I do, but I can't say it. <laughs> I can't say it, but, you know, and, and the artwork, like I said, is so stunning. And uh, just to mention a couple of other, you know, really uh, amazing women here. Cindy Blackstock, I mean, she fought a case in the courts for uh, discrimination against Indigenous children and won that case and proved that, yes, in fact, there was discrimination and we needed to, to fix that. She has 18 honorary doctorate's degrees. You know, people don't know all of this, you know, and then Margaret Pictou, she was in the Royal Canadian Air Force in World War II, and her job was to be an aerial photographer, and she had to flip, you know, hanging outside of planes, taking photographs of bridges. So, I mean, there's just story after story, and I think, you know, one of these women is going to be on this $20 bill. Yeah, well, you just nailed my favorite, Margaret Pictou. It's, <laughs> it's just, abs- I mean, all of them are amazing, but this one just absolutely speaks to me. It has, you know, the military component, but just the yeah. story that is being told on this note would be amazing to see. I know, and I appreciate, you know, any support, anybody who's out there. And we're also selling the posters, so the posters are $20. If anybody would like to purchase one, and all the proceeds go directly to the artists. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Lynn Grew, is the CEO of the Native Women's Association of Canada. They've launched a campaign to get Canada's $20 bills redesigned and featuring an Indigenous woman. You can go online to changethebill.ca, support the cause, learn more about these fantastic women and you know wasn't that long ago that we altered the $10 bill featuring civil rights pioneer Viola Desmond that was in what 2018 so do you think there is a an appetite to do this from the federal government I do 
think so. I mean, the government has to walk the talk, right? So they've been talking about reconciliation, doing the right thing, how important Indigenous peoples are in Canada. I think, you know, they have to do the right thing. I think we have, uh, we will have their eyes and their ears because the campaign is so stunning. I do think there's movement, and we have a lot of support from Canadians as well across the country. So I'm I'm really hopeful that uh, this is actually going to come to fruition. You're going to call me back next time, and I'm going to say, look at that campaign turned <laughs> into a $20, you know, uh, it's on the $20 bill. Uh, more than 31,000 people have already signed on to this campaign to offer their support. Uh, it's not a surprising number to see, to be honest. When do you go to the federal government officially to say, all right, here's a bunch of people who are supporting this, let's get this done what kind of timeline are we looking at well we've already sent out a letter and we're in discussions uh, for the setting up the meetings so we we do have their ears and we're going to be meeting very shortly in the next few weeks as a matter of fact is there any guess if if the federal government says yes let's do this is there any guess as to when we could potentially see these banknotes being issued I have to uh, speak to them first in person, but I don't know. I would like to be confident that we would see it within a year. I'm not sure if that's realistic. I'll, I'll have to see after our first meeting. Well, I wish you nothing but the best. This is a phenomenal initiative, and yeah, it is high time that we feature some Indigenous women, or at least one, the lucky one, yeah. <laughs> uh, will be on the banknote. Lynn, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for calling. Lynn Grew is the CEO of the Native Women's Association of Canada. Go online, changethebill.ca, and I'm going to warn you, you are going to be absolutely blown away by the designs that these artists have come up with because they're all unique and different. They're, it's it's nothing like you've ever seen before on a dollar bill. And again, this would be potentially the $20 bill, but my gosh, it is going to absolutely blow you away. These artists have done a phenomenal job. And you can go to the website, changethebill.ca, and purchase the, the print of all these bills in one kind of poster uh, for $20. That would make a, a great keepsake or a great gift as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, game one of the Bulldogs-Colts playoff series is in the books, and well, it did not go well for Hamilton. They got demolished last night, 10-2, to with game two on tap tomorrow night in Barrie. Joining us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Matt Turek, he's the general manager of the Bulldogs and uh, is with us now. Matt, good morning, how are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you doing? I'm good. Last night obviously did not go according to plan. What did you see? Well, it, I think uh, the, the first period we started off for probably you know ten to twelve minutes of good hockey, and and then um, you know I thought we were playing our game, and then I think that somehow you know through penalty trouble and, and just different things, it uh, it kind of switched into their favor. And you know once it, you get down by a couple goals, it really doesn't matter if it's uh, ten two or three two. It's a it's it's one game that matters, and we'll be ready for game two. Yeah, we should uh, you know remind our, our listeners this morning. It was one one midway through the first period, and there was much more game to play. And as you mentioned, through some you know penalty issues, and obviously uh, some red hot scoring by you know some of Barry's key players, and it all kind of went downhill from there. How does this set up game two tomorrow night? What did you like about your team, and what do you have to work on to avoid this from happening again? You know, I, I think. The one thing that we did early on was just getting pucks deep and 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 using, you know, we were a hardworking team with some energy, and I I, I saw that initially in the game, and um, you know, when the pucks on our stick, it's uh, you know, our our guys seem to have that kind of that momentum, and 
And uh, they've got some really skilled players on the other team, and keep it off their stick is important. Game three is going to be Sunday at First Ontario Centre, the first uh, playoff game at uh, the downtown Hamilton Rink since you guys won the OHL championship uh, last spring. What are you looking forward to most on Sunday? You know what? It, it's it's a little different this year in the sense that um, last year we were kind of expected to win every game. And, you know, this young team and some returning players that won a championship, you know, they all have something to prove. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I walked in the room after. They seem focused. They understand that you can lose a playoff game and, and uh, still come back and win a series. So uh, I, I think they'll be motivated for game two. And, you know, that goes a long way because, you know, this team uh, last year, and I know it's a completely different team, but it won its first 12 playoff games and then, you know, found some adversity after game one of the OHL championship final in which they lost that game and they had to, you know, look themselves in the mirror and say, all right, you know, this is going to be a battle. This first series is obviously going to be a battle. Barry's a tough team. No, absolutely. They, they've got, you know, depth and scoring and age. Uh, you know, they're they're... they're you know, optically, if you just look at the two rosters, optically they're, they're a team that's, you know, all in uh, with a couple others. But, you know what, this this Hamilton Bulldog team, I don't know, they, they've uh, you know, beaten some pretty good teams this year. And, you know, just with that experience from last year, I, I know, uh, you know, I, I know that leadership's going to kick in in game two. And, you know, it, things should be uh, uh, evened up here after Saturday night. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Matt Turek, the general manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs. We're recapping uh, last night's series opening OHL playoff game between the Bulldogs and the Colts, in which Barry won 10 to 2. Game two is tomorrow night in Barry. I, I, we had uh, Reed Duffy, the play-by-play announcer for the Bulldogs, on the show yesterday, and asked him this question. I'd like to get your insight on it too. The move to Brantford, we know, is coming in the off season, and that could be you know weeks away. We hope it's it's weeks and weeks away. Is that providing any sort of motivation for this team to try to go out on a, a high note here? I think so. We're, I mean, we, we've been, you know, the, the Hamilton Bulldogs now with two championships, uh, you know, since Michael Anlier brought the team over from Belleville. And, you know, there's, there's a great deal of pride. I'm, you know, I'm from the city. There's a lot of local talent on, on the Bulldogs and, and a lot of players there that, you uh, you know, have have just embraced the city. So, we're, we'll do everything we can to uh, to you know get ourselves back in this series and and one last uh, hurrah for uh, for a couple of years and uh, and off to off to Brantford in a couple of months. But it, uh, you know, I I do think that the guys are motivated. They're they're winners in that room and. and you know they'll give it. They'll give ourselves every chance to get us back in the series. Looking forward to Game Two tomorrow night, and hopefully we uh, bump into each other Game Three at First Ontario Center on Sunday. Looking forward to seeing this team uh, in action. You can get your tickets online, HamiltonBulldogs.com. Ticketmaster, go to the box office at First Ontario Center as well. Matt, appreciate the time today. Best of luck this weekend. Thanks so much, Rick. That's Matt Turek, General Manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs Game 2 tomorrow night in Barrie. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.